coming to you from fabulous Las Vegas. The right side is the winning side. The late move is the correct move. Sports betting capital of the world. We all know when a sharp like me weighs in, the lines move. It's a party for your ears. <laughs> this is The Buffet with Chad and Scooch. I want to buy that guy a buffet. Hello, welcome to The Buffet with Chad and Scooch, brought to you by the Action Network. It is time for our NCAA Tournament March Madness podcast. Um, Joining me today, because Scooch is unavailable, are two of our Action Network analysts who have put up some ridiculously good stories in the past 24 hours. The two biggest days in the history of the Action Network, the 60 days that we've been launched as a company um, providing content. The two biggest days have been the past two days. On the phone with me, Stucky needs only one name. On. And Brian Mears, at Brian underscore Mears, at Stucky2. Uh, some of the biggest stories we've done in the last 48 hours have come from these two guys, analyzing everything there is about uh, March Madness and what's happening in the tournament. Mears, I want to start with you. Stuck, we'll get to you in a second. Um, but Mears, I want to start with you. You did two incredibly smart stories that I have been repeating over and over on radio shows for the past 24 hours. The first one I want to talk about, the overseeded, underseeded story. It's a great concept. Which teams in the tournament are overseeded and which teams in the tournament are underseeded based on a variety of analytics? Break it down for me. Tell me how you came up with this. Yeah. So, I mean, we have great uh... – Advanced stats, you know, we have like Ken Palm's adjusted efficiency margin. So uh, we can take a stat like that, which is uh, very sharp. Uh, a lot of people use it for their power ratings to uh, actually project uh, their spread. So uh, obviously a very good stat. So we can use that to project like what a team should be seated. And then we can look at what the uh, committee actually seated a team, just look at the difference. So um, as far as teams that were overseated, um, we have some of the big names like Kansas, who Ken Palm would have about a three seed, and obviously they're a number one seed. Um, Arizona actually is a seems to be a little overseeded. That one is is particularly interesting. Ken Palm doesn't seem to be too uh, excited about the Pac-12, um, so that that one's particularly interesting for me. Um, and then Xavier is actually projected as a four seed via Ken Palm, and they're obviously a number one seed. So uh, we have two number one seeds in Xavier and Kansas that uh, seem to be historically not very good number one seeds. So uh, I think that is going to make this tournament very interesting. All right. So, Stucky, when you hear this um, from an overseeded perspective, and don't forget, I want to get to the underseeded perspective as well, from a, an advancement and from betting, um, Kansas and Xavier, do you buy the theory that they're overseeded and that that will have an impact on how far they advance and what the value is on them for betters? Yeah, I mean, two of the they're two of obviously the to me at least the overrated two of the most overrated one seeds I've seen in quite some time. And you know, in the case of Xavier, if you project ahead, because I think that what Brian will get to is about Gonzaga um, being underseeded. I mean, if if both of those teams hold to the Sweet 16, Gonzaga will meet Xavier. Gonzaga, according to most power ratings and mine, would be a favorite, maybe a two- to three-point favorite on a neutral court 
against Xavier. And that's the four versus one. So I think that there's, from a futures perspective in the West, there's a lot of value on Gonzaga, who I really like, and they're trending up. And, you know, they have that. I think the West is the most gettable bracket because North Carolina, sorry, Brian, um, is gettable. I mean, their defense will allow teams, you know, they, they're the worst three point shooting defense in the entire, entire tournament with their sagging defense. So, with that one two combo, I mean, I think Gonzaga can make a run. And then on the other side, I mean, I think that the, the Midwest will be decided with the winner of Michigan State and Duke. But having said that, Kansas, which I think is more of a two or a three, as Brian alluded to, and Penn is actually more of a 14 or 15. This is the highest potential I've ever seen for a 16 1 upset, but it's because it's not really a 16 versus one, it's really like a 2 15, 3 14. Hence, the line is only 14, which is the lowest one versus 16 lines in the last 13 seasons. I well, I want to get to. I, I do want to get to bracket by bracket. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna go over what are the leverage plays and the choices that you think people should be making in the first two rounds uh, that are the opportunities to score a lot of points just from the brackets, not from actual betting, but just if you're making bracket choices. But Brian. Kansas and Xavier, they continue to pop up in your sort of your overseeded conversation. Mm-hmm. Let's talk underseeded and tell me who popped in that part of the conversation. Yeah, it's stuck and nailed it. Gonzaga is definitely one that pops. Ken Palm would have them about a two seed and they're a four seed. So <clears throat> not only is Xavier overseeded, but they also get the strongest four seed um, and they would have to play them, obviously, to get to the Elite Eight or the Final Four. Um, so that one is definitely standing out. And, and Stucky's right. I think that um, that Xavier would actually be a dog to all all of the uh, lower teams in their region, Gonzaga, North Carolina, and Michigan. Uh, and likewise, I think Kansas would be a dog to Duke and Michigan State. So it's just unique bracket in that we have two number one seats, and they would be a Vegas dog to uh, a bunch of their teams. Um, other ones that are um, standing out just a little bit, um, you have Butler, who I think is um, – much better than a, a typical 10 C Ken Palm would have them about a six or a seven. Uh, Davidson seems to be a pretty solid 12 seed. So they could uh, definitely give Kentucky a run for their money. Um, those are sort of the ones standing out, but it's definitely Gonzaga. Um, Xavier just got a bad draw right there. Why do you guys, why are you so high on Butler? What is Butler doing so well that makes them better than their seed? Stucky, what do you think? Well, I mean, they have a, First of all, they have just pedigree, their program, but they have a really good player and point guard uh, defender at the top in Kamar Baldwin. So they have talent, um, you know, and they've shown flashes throughout the year. But then, you know, they have some size in the middle. Their defense is lacking, but they can score with anybody, um, you know, and I don't think that they're necessarily a threat to get to the final four. Um, but, you know, they can make some noise and, you know, advance a round or two for sure. I kind of agree that they're, that they're underseated. I mean, but not by much. I mean, I have them probably around, you know, a seven or an eight seed as compared to the 10. So their potential is still in that, you know, seven to 10 seed range. Um, but from a pure seeding perspective, I do think that they're a little underseated and they have a lot of offensive talent and potential. What's going to hold them back is their defense outside of Baldwin. Yeah. I they, they do profile as a team. Oh, sorry. Yeah, they do profile as a team that does well. I mean, they have a, a solid offense. They never turn the ball over and they clean up the defensive glass. So when you're looking like there, there seems to be statistics that like correlate to just like being a well-coached team. 
Um, I know that's probably a cliche thing, but like not turning the ball over, cleaning up the glass, just protecting uh, the ball and getting good shots. I mean, that, that goes a long way in March and uh, you don't see those metrics out of a 10 seed that often. Well, I know we're bouncing around bracket to bracket here and I promise for everybody that we're going to get focused and we're going to go through sort of the upsets you should choose and who you guys think will be in the final four. But I want to stay on this overseeded, underseeded thread for one second because in um, the Xavier bracket in the West, where they're number one, we talk about Gonzaga as sort of being a team that, you know, could easily emerge from going into the Final Four from that bracket based on sort of the metrics that we're looking at. We did not talk about the Midwest and the fact that Michigan State and Duke, you, you mentioned it a little bit that you think stuck, they're going to come out of this. Why do, this, why do you think the committee undervalued Michigan State so much? What happened? Because to me, they're probably the strongest team in this particular bracket. Yeah, but I think what the committee does is they fall in love with, and it's really frustrating from an odds perspective. I mean, all year, the the, the two of the odds on favorites to win the national title, and they're still right up there, are Duke and Michigan State. And they're going to have to play each other in the Sweet 16. But they fall in love with these potential match, these blockbuster matchups in the second and third round instead of spreading these teams out and then potentially meeting in, you know, the elite eight or the final four, the same thing you could be said about Kentucky, Arizona. I mean, in Kentucky, they win the sec. They're playing really well. And now in order just to get to the elite eight, they have to beat a solid Davidson team, then Arizona and then Virginia. I mean, that sounds like it's a, an elite eight final four and championship game. Um, so, you know, I think that they fall in love with setting up these blockbuster matchups. And because of that, you have these one seeds that have significantly easier paths than others. I mean, think about Kansas has Duke and Michigan State, two of the favorites to win the tournament in their side of the bracket. And then you look at Villanova's path and, you know, I mean, it looks like their biggest test will come in the Elite Eight against Purdue. Um, so, you know, it's it, it's it's fun because we'll get to see Duke, Michigan State in the Sweet 16, but it's also frustrating from a futures perspective. And I do, I do think it opens things up for a team like Gonzaga at 25 to one-ish. Well, also, you know, you mentioned a bracket. Virginia's the consensus number one overall team. They've got Arizona. They've got Kentucky. Also, by the way, no one has mentioned Cincinnati, which is a team – I think can go to the final four. Like that is a brutal, brutal bracket. Four of the top nine favorites to win it all. If you look at the nine biggest favorites to win the tournament, four of them are in in that region. How is that right? Go ahead, Mears. Oh, no, I was going to say Cincinnati is the Jacksonville Jaguars of this tournament. So I'm not surprised that you're in love with them, Chad. I I was going to say, that's why I love them so much. Like they are so good defensively, historically good defensively. Um, I can't get them out of my head. They're like, you know, I can't quit them, this this Cincinnati team. I just love them right now. I think they're fantastic. Um, all right, so that's overseeded. That's underseeded, I promise. Uh, I've got Stucky. I've got Brian Mears. They did some of the best stories we've done uh, in the past 48 hours on ActionNetwork.com. Um, our two biggest days in uh, company history, our brief but illustrious 60-day history so far stuck you did a story about the top five stats you are thinking about as it relates to the tournament marry some of these stats to the conversation we've been having uh, how are some of the teams that we're talking about or haven't mentioned yet playing well as it as it relates to the stats you've written about yeah i mean some of the things that 
I really like to look at are, you know, you have such quick turnarounds in the tournament. I mean, even the bracket comes out on Sunday and you're playing Thursday or Friday, especially for the play-in teams. But then once you win that game on Thursday or Friday, you're playing two days later. So a lot of it, what it comes down to is coaching and scheme. So if you run a unique offense or defensive scheme that not a lot of teams play, because you're normally not going to play a team in your conference, you know, you could sneak up on people and have an inherent advantage. So coaches that can really, you know, come up with a quick game plan, you know, and our master planner, so to speak, in one or two days and teams with a unique scheme, like a unique zone. I mean, You've seen in the past Baylor make a few Elite Eight runs because of their unique zone. Um, you know, Syracuse makes some runs because teams aren't used to seeing it, so it's hard to prep for on a day or two basis. And then coaches that are, you know, really good planners, two that you can look at are John Beeline and Chris Mack. Those are the only two coaches actually since 2005 that have covered at least 70% of their games in the tournament, minimum of 10 games. Um, so those are things that I look at. And then it comes – the games are normally going to be tight. So looking at free throws is huge because, you know, a bad free throw shooting team, especially a higher seed, it could end up costing them and sending them home if they can't hit their free throws down the stretch. So, you know, those are some of the the stats that I look at in addition to like rebounding and three-point shooting, which you can marry with some of the schemes that teams play for certain matchups and then projecting matchups as well down the line. All right. So if I'm talking about free throws, who are the teams that I need to be most worried about? Well, for one, the team that, there's a couple things that I would worry about with Michigan and there there's a lot of things to like about Michigan because you know their coach and beeline success in the tournament format we've seen that in the Big Ten tournament the last two years and in prior NCAA tournaments but one they don't shoot free throws well so that's something to keep in mind not only for them advancing but just laying points with them so they're laying 11 11 and a half against Montana in the first round so you know if they're not hitting free throws at the end that could cost them a cover so that's something to keep in mind I mean they are the third worst free throw shooting team in the entire tournament. They shoot free throws at about under 66%. So that's something to keep in mind. Um, And additionally with Michigan, and I'm concerned about this with all of the Big Ten teams, outside of Purdue, who basically is playing a 16 seed that got seeded as a 15, is this long layoff. So, you know, these major conference teams aren't used to playing the conference tournament 10 days ago before they play. But because the Big Ten tournament plate was at MSG this year, it was played a week before it normally is. And by the time Michigan takes the court, Ohio State, they're going to have 10, 11 days off in between games, which I think hurts Michigan because they were rolling. So if they come out and they're a little flat, rusty, missing shots, and all of a sudden you give life to this other team, I think you know potentially you could see a Big Ten team get picked off because of that, even if as unlikely as it looks. And you know maybe there's a, a 14 seed that's a lurking out there um, that can take advantage because a 14 seed has won a game in four of the last five tournaments. And now uh, there's a couple 14s that are playing big 10 teams this year. And I think that layoff could come into play. We're going to definitely get to the 14 seeds and the 12 seeds and the 11 seeds. Um, that is going to be the exciting and scintillating last half of the podcast. That's how we're going to keep people motivated to, to keep listening. Um because then I want to connect what you're talking about with the stats. Who are the teams that, based on the stats that you like, have the best mix of all of them that you're like, oh, this feels like a no-brainer, and I didn't even recognize this team sort of had had fingers in each one of these stats? 
Yeah, I mean, I think if you look at a lot of the advanced stats, the clear number one team in the country that doesn't really have a weakness is Villanova. I mean, even if they come up across a zone, they're the best zone offense in the entire country. So from an efficiency standpoint, they rank number one. So even if they come up against an odd zone or an odd scheme, you know, they're built to take advantage of a zone. If you try and trap them or press them, that's not going to work either. So that team is really fit to you know go up against any team no matter what the scheme or how they play is. So they really jump off the page. So does Michigan State outside of one key area, and that's turnovers. So you know they are one of the worst teams in the tournament at turning the ball over. It's really when they run into trouble, it's when they're turning the ball over. So if they run into a team that's going to press them or pressure the ball, and if you look at their path, they're not really going to – they don't really see many teams that do that, even Duke. Um, but that's when they could run into trouble if they have a press. But outside of that – that Michigan State also looks really strong. And then a lot of the top teams, obviously Virginia, but a lot of the top teams are either really strong offensively or just defensively, but don't have both. Teams that two of the teams that do are Michigan State and Nova that jump off, which are actually in both in my final four. All right. So you've mentioned the key word a couple of times, and that is path. That is so key to as much as talent, as much as systems, as much as sort of the stats that you're talking about, you know, Virginia's got a brutal path, um, potentially. Like, Kansas has a brutal path, potentially. Mears, you wrote a story about the easiest path and the hardest paths for each one of the top four seeds in the brackets. Give me your breakdown. Yeah, so it's it, it's interesting. Um, I, I think that Villanova has the easiest, uh, easiest path, um, coming out of the east uh which uh, i think is fair virginia's path is um it's tough i I think it really just depends on what you think of arizona um because you know people look at this arizona team and think that they are really good they've obviously been playing really well running through the pac-12 uh conference but um ken palm some of the advanced analytics are not quite as high um so uh, obviously, that that comes with the caveat of like DeAndre Ayton can obviously take over just about any game. He definitely gives Virginia some problems just with his athleticism down low. So that's going to be an absolutely fascinating matchup. So I think that you're, the path discussion with Virginia comes down to what you think of Arizona. Um, and then after that, um, obviously, uh, I'm pretty high on Cincinnati. So that would be a really tough matchup. Um, very, very similar teams, two of the, the best defenses that we've seen in quite uh, a long time. Uh, and then sort of going down, Xavier um, has a, a pretty tough path, uh, notably just because of that Gonzaga game. Um, you know, since Gonzaga is one of the most underseeded teams, uh, there's an inefficiency there. So obviously playing them before they even get to the Elite Eight uh, is problematic for them. Uh, and then I have Kansas is the, the toughest path. Um, it's made a little bit easier, but they don't have to face Duke and Michigan State. Uh, but they're going to have to take one of them, and I think that they would um, be be dogs to those. And, and I would definitely take Duke or Michigan State over Kansas fairly easily. It's like, how are any of us going to fill out our Action Network company brackets? We're all going to have the same teams. Like most companies have these problems where everyone fills out only favorites because nobody knows anything. We're all going to be filling out Butler and Gonzaga and, uh, you know, maybe Murray State and Cincinnati. Like, we're going to have the 
just the most analytically driven brackets, nobody's going to win anything. We're all going to be tied. Well, it'll come down. I mean, in most bracket contests come down to who picking the winner and then the final four. So that's where I think we're going to have a lot of differences. And it it really starts with that. If you don't pick the winner, you're pretty much not going to win. You got to get three of the four final four. So while there should be, you know, some parallels in our brackets as far as the round one, round two upsets and who's getting to the elite eight, I think you'll see some differentiation late in the bracket, which is when, you know, most contests are decided anyway. You can lose it early, but you can't win it. We're going to get to the final four, but before we do that, what I want to do is I want to go through each bracket and each region, and uh, I want you guys in the first round to give me in each region sort of the bracket buster slash the bracket leverage play. Um, If you are someone, it's either the team you think will bust somebody's bracket, or if you're smart, it's the team you're using for leverage to start to get some points in the early rounds. Um, and I want you to do for the first and second round, because I want you to project uh, into the second round. So, uh, Mears, let's start with you in the East. Um, looking at the brackets, I hope you have them in front of you. Uh, out of all the, the matchups we're looking at, Villanova versus, you know, LIU and uh, Radford in the play- play-in game, uh, Virginia Tech, Alabama, West Virginia, Murray State, Wichita, Marshall, Florida, the Bonnies and UCLA, Texas Tech, uh, C- Stephen F. Off- Austin, Arkansas Butler, and Purdue Fullerton. Give me your leverage play in the first round and then in the second round for the East. In the East, okay. Um, my leverage play, I-, I think that Marshall definitely gives uh, Wichita State some issues. Um, the Shockers are not the greatest transition defense, and Marshall can definitely – um, gives them give them some problems there, and I think Wichita State um, is is sort of an analytics darling. So I, I, maybe I'm going against myself here, uh, and a lot of people uh, like them um, as as a trendy four seed. So uh, I think that Marshall over Wichita State um, to just get out of the first round is going to potentially bust a lot of brackets. Um, and then looking ahead to uh, the the next round, um, I think you have some interesting matchups. Uh, I think West Virginia is one of the more volatile teams uh, in this entire tournament just because they uh, they have this press. Uh, they are one of the most foul-prone teams uh, in, in the tournament. So uh, you could see them getting in foul trouble. Their press is very boomer bust. So um, it, I think that's sort of the, the trend here is you have some very boomer bust teams. Alabama is sort of a boomer bust team with Colin Sexton. Um, Butler is underseated. Texas Tech is very boomer bust as well with their – uh, defense um, and their shooting, so uh, you could have some some bracket busters, especially with the lower seeds outside of Villanova. All right, stuck. Give me your East bracket buster. Yeah, the, the, to follow up on what Brian said, the interesting thing with what I think hurts West Virginia is if you look at all of those teams, even starting with Murray State, who has two ridiculously good guards. There's so many good guards that'll that can deal with their press. I mean, even if they get through to Villanova, you can't really press Nova, but Marshall. Um, you know, they have an outstanding point guard. Murray State has two great guards. I mean, that's just – there's no one that they are, they're going to really bother with their press. I mean, their press is at a different level, but they're running into a lot of guards there. Um, and I think that's a safe little pod to pick an upset because I think Nova comes through there. Same thing with Purdue at the bottom. I actually think a team that can make noise is in the bottom of the East, and you kind of get two for one in St. Bonaventure's UCLA, which is tonight. I think UCLA wins that game because they have a lot more height. But the winner, you always see one of these teams, these six eleven teams, 
um, make a run. Have you seen it so many times? I mean, you've seen VCU go from this game to the Final Four. Um, you know, you kind of get some momentum going before, and the other team's a little flat. But Florida's a gettable number six seed. They have no size. They have a very volatile game. Um, and you know, UCLA is a great point guard in Holiday, and they have some. They have you know seven footer and that stretch. They they, have, they can stretch you out with size in their post, and they're kind of a matchup nightmare. Now they don't play any defense. Um, but it's not like they're going to run into a Florida team that they can't beat. And then, as Brian alluded to, Texas Tech, you know, they're they're a volatile team as well, uh, you know, and they're they're kind of just coming together. They're getting healthy, but they still haven't gelled. So if you're looking for kind of a shot, not to ruin your Final Four, but I think the winner of St. Bonaventure's UCLA, UCLA more so, can get to the Sweet 16 where they eventually would lose to Purdue. All right, let's go to the East. Uh Mirrors, you start again. Well, we're Give just your, in the East. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We're going to the South. Mirrors, you start again. Uh, give me your bracket buster uh, for the South. Bracket buster, yeah. I'm going uh, Loyola Chicago. Um, I think they're a very interesting team, mostly just because of their offense. They uh, have a pretty dynamic point guard um, who I think probably could be playing at a lot of these high-power conferences. Um, Custer, I think, is his name. Um, and their offense is really, really good this year. They rank eighth in effective field goal percentage, which, um, you know, I've been doing a lot of work on four factors, uh, pioneered by Dean Oliver, um, and uh, effective field goal percentage is one of the most important stats that correlates to success. So you have Loyola Chicago, who is an 11 seed, and they are top 10 in that very important metric. So um, I like them as a bracket buster to not only beat Miami, but I think they can give Tennessee a run for their money as well. All right, Stuck, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I don't see many bracket busters here, but I do potentially see Davidson beating Kentucky in the first round. Um, it's a really tough matchup for Kentucky because they're going. Davidson's gone zone. They're going to zone Kentucky, and Kentucky can't really shoot. They have a motion offense that can be tricky to guard, especially for all of Kentucky's freshmen. Now they're they're going to be at a disadvantage athletically, but that's just a team. You, you don't want to play right now. They're hot. Their offense is great. They they could shoot free throws if they call it tight. They're I think they're the best free throw shooting team in the tournament where Kentucky struggles at the line. Um, so I think that's a, a potential 12-5 upset. But having said that, I think once you get to the Sweet 16, a lot of the chalk is, is going to hold, and you're going to see you know a Virginia versus Arizona, a Cincy versus Tennessee. Um, but, yeah, I do actually like Loyola Chicago in the first round over Miami. I think there's a – a couple potential first round double digit seed upsets in the South, but I think that their potential is their potential ceiling is really the first weekend and that's it. All right. Let's do the Midwest. Stuck, you start. Who's your bracket buster in the Midwest? Well, um, my 12, the 12, I like another 12 seed here um, because I think at the bottom half, it's, you're going to see Michigan State and Duke. Um, but on the top half, do not – I mean, I'm, I'm saying this almost on every radio station. If, if Penn is a Penn versus Kansas is like a 14 versus three. Um, <laughs> but so don't be shocked if Penn is in that game late. But uh, my bracket buster here is New Mexico State. I really – one of my favorite first-round plays, catching five against Clemson. They have really long guards in, in Zach Lofton and Jamario Jones that – can give Clemson's smaller backcourt trouble. They have a lot of length. Clemson just is, isn't the same same team without Dante Grantham. And I think that 
they're they're gettable. And then, you know, so they're missing a key player, Clemson. And they've been playing without him for a while. But then the next round, if Auburn beats Charleston, Auburn has a, missing a couple key players that have really hurt the complexion of their team, especially on defense. So, you know, a team that can make some noise here, you know, and then if Kansas gets picked off, I think this is a, you know, that top half of the Midwest, you could, I, I mean, I'm going to go crazy with it because I think on the bottom half, the winner of Duke, Michigan State gets out. So I, I don't think that you necessarily ruin your final four or anything by going crazy in that top half. So I think New Mexico State can make some noise. Uh, one caveat is they are horrendous free throw shooting team. So, you know, that could end up biting them if they get in a close game. Um, I think that they're the worst free throw shooting team in the entire tournament. Um, yeah, they are at 64.3%. I mean, they're under 65% from the line. So that could end up biting them, but I like their length. I love their guards. And uh, I think they can make some noise with a favorable first and second round matchup with power teams that are missing some key pieces. That's some good insight right there. Mears, you're going to have to to match that in the Midwest. Yeah, I mean, I think Suck nailed it. Yeah, the, I think the people like to focus on that 5-12. And I think New Mexico State's probably the best bet uh, for a 12 seed to, to take over. Um, going back to the effective field goal percentage, which is one of the most predictive stats for success. Um, I mean, they're just dominant defensively. They're the sixth best team in uh, in terms of allowing effective field goal percentage. Uh, Clemson likes to run some pick and roll. New Mexico State's pick and roll defense is um, very, very, very good. So uh, I think they give Clemson a lot of problems. And it, that does set up well for their next game um, in Auburn because, I, you know, Stuck mentioned they're missing a couple of their key players. So uh, New Mexico State, I think, uh, is a very interesting Sweet 16 pick. Um, I'll give you one more, though, just to, to be different from Stuck. Uh, Syracuse people are giving them a lot of crap for actually getting into the tournament. I, I agree they, they didn't deserve it over um, some, some other more deserving teams, St. Mary's, Notre Dame, stuff like that. But, um, you know, as a team uh, that is not getting a lot of love, they could uh, definitely be Arizona State, who's not very good. And then Stuck mentioned, you know, teams that just play differently can give um, some squads some troubles when you only have a day to prepare. So Arizona State, Syracuse is in this playing game, and then TCU – obviously not going to know who they have to prepare for. They'll try their best to prepare for both. But um, if Syracuse gets in and then they have to shift to uh, analyze the zone defense for Syracuse, I think they could uh, take TCU by surprise. So uh, I agree that I'm not going to really pick that many upsets in the Michigan State Duke uh, side of things, but you could take Syracuse over TCU if you want to get um, a, a little cute. Um, stuck. We just got to pick Penn over Kansas. I mean, no one's going to pick a 16 over one. No guts, no glory. I mean, we would be legends if we actually predicted that. Well, I might. Um, I mean, I've been telling <laughs> I've been telling everyone at every radio station I go on. I'm like, don't be surprised if this is the 16 that wins because it's not really a 16-1. I mean, Penn is the number one three-point defense in the entire tournament. That's huge against Kansas. Um, they'll slow it up. They have a, they they're just a very analytically smart team. They don't they take threes. Or two or close twos. They don't take any mid-range jumpers, you know. So they could, if Candace could get tight. I mean, I can see that game being close. I and mean, there's a reason the spread's only 14. You mentioned uh, so I might end up putting the 16 there. I, I've never done that in a bracket. I don't even know if I could. I, I have the guts to actually write Penn in there, but I think that I'm going to have as a hedge. I'm going to have Seton Hall in beating Kansas in the next round, but. We'll see. Um, one thing that you mentioned, though, about Syracuse, I agree. But the one thing that I'm afraid of with Syracuse is that's a team with zero depth. So they have to play tomorrow 
And then, you know, they'll, then they'll have to travel and then there's just one day off and they play again. You know, maybe they can, you know, they can have another good effort against TCU, but then they're going to be dead, um, you know, in the next round when they would play, you know, the winner of, I don't think they would win anyway, Michigan State Bucknell. But I think that could even hurt them against TCU playing that playing game a day break the travel because they, they really just don't have any depth at all. All right, Mears, take me through uh, your West bracket buster, then Stuck, you're up on that, and then we're doing Final Four and championship winners. Yeah, this is one stuff. I, I think this is probably the chalkiest bracket uh, or, or region. Um, you know, I, I would honestly would probably in my bracket pick all of the, the favorites here. Um, I, I guess I can look ahead to to some potential um upsets later, you know, in the second round or something. Um, one thing that's really standing out to me, so if we're going to fade Xavier, uh, I think we're going to fade them against Gonzaga. But, you know, if Missouri gets past, past Florida State, Missouri has Michael Porter Jr., who is uh, was one of the top prospects coming in. He hasn't played many minutes because he just came back a couple games ago. Um, I think two games ago he played 23 minutes in the game before. But, I mean, this is an elite talent. Uh, they have uh, had some time for him to practice with the starters. Uh, you know, they could put the ball in his hands and give him 30 minutes. And uh, maybe Missouri is a much better than an eight seed uh, with Michael Porter Jr. playing. So uh, that one's standing out to me is interesting. But I, I think uh, it's going to be pretty chalky here until we get later into the uh, to the region with um, with Xavier potentially losing and Gonzaga um, and uh, you know North Carolina could go down to Michigan for sure. Stuck? Yeah, I think it's chalky up until the Sweet 16, and then I think you see the. the I think you're going to see an elite eight of the three burst four seed here. But the, Missouri is a. I, I'm surprised you didn't say Lipscomb, Brian, beating Carolina in the first round. Um, but oh, there um, there. so the uh, the Bison's not the Bison, the Bison's of Lipscomb. So the, the yeah, the interesting team you pointed out is Missouri, but also Florida State. I mean, Florida State's very long and deep. I mean, they can't really shoot, and their defense is eh, but. They're an interesting team, but Missouri, if you want to get crazy in your bracket, um, as Brian alluded to, they, at a full health coming into the year, they're probably a top four seed. The problem is, is that they're trying to assimilate Michael Porter Jr. back in the lineup. I mean, their offense was a mess. There was no flow in the last game that they played. They lost in the conference tournament to Georgia. Um, but if they can somehow get by Florida State, you know, and then – and then, you know, they can figure out a way to beat Xavier, who will give Missouri can shoot and Xavier will give you a chance to, to shoot against them. Then all of a sudden, that's a team that becomes better and better as they move on, because, you know, they're this team that needs to come together and gel. But they just have so many moving pieces. I mean, Jordan Barnett, their starting forward, is suspended against Florida State because he got a DWI. He's their leading rebounder. So then they're going to have Michael Porter Jr. coming back against Florida State, trying to assimilate him into the lineup without Barnett and then Barnett coming back you know, if they win on Sunday against Xavier. So it's going to be tough for them. But if they can find a way to put it all together and then get to the second weekend, you know, with Michael Porter Jr. coming back, as as Brian said, he's an elite talent. They all of a sudden become a really dangerous team that just gets better with each round because they start playing with each other. And they're very unique in that sense. All right. It's time for the main event, fellas. <laughs> I need I need a final four and I need a title winner from both of you. Stuck, you start. Um, okay, I'll start on the right side of the bracket where I'm going pretty chalky. I have Villanova in the Final Four coming out of the East. I think they had the easiest path. They are the best overall team. 
um, from, you know, off when you look at offense and defense, they have an elite point guard. Um, they have experience. Bridges is a monster. Uh, I, I mean, and I, I just look at their path. Purdue, presumably a really tough game in the Elite Eight, but I think Nova gets through and gets to the Final Four. The Midwest, Kansas could get picked off by Penn. Uh, but <laughs> regardless, yeah. Kansas, Kansas is going down to the winner of Michigan State and Duke. I mean, those are two elite yeah. offensive rebounding teams, elite top five. And Kansas is, well, I don't know, 300th in the country in defensive rebounding. Um, and Kansas is a very volatile team. They're three-point reliant. You have questions with Azubuke's health. Even if he plays, you just foul him and he can't hit free throws. But um, So I think the winner of Michigan State-Duke comes out of there. I, I'm going – I'm taking a stab with Michigan State. I know that Izzo's had issues with Duke in the past, but you have the, the NCAA's uh, leading three-point shooter in Cassius Winston. Michigan State can match them inside. Um, I mean, that'll just be a fascinating game. Um, so I'm going actually with Michigan State, and it'll be interesting to watch Coach K go down playing a zone, which he said that's how you, you can't win in the tournament playing a zone, but he's had to go to a zone this year. So I have Michigan State coming out of the Midwest, taking on Nova and getting to the championship. So I have Michigan State coming out of the right side of the bracket. On the south, I took a stab with Arizona coming out. So I think that I think that they would beat Kentucky. And Kentucky's going to struggle with Davidson. And I don't think that Kentucky would beat Virginia because they can't shoot. You know, Arizona has some, you know, a little better shooting capability. But as Brian said, DeAndre Ayton, he, I mean, he's essentially a video game player. You just you turned all the settings up and he's on your TV. Um, he could take over the game. I would love to see that Virginia-Arizona game. Um, so I took a stab here out of the South and have the four seed coming out. And I actually have them playing a four seed coming out of the West in Gonzaga. I think if you look at the top four seeds in every region, Gonzaga is one of the easiest paths to the final, I mean, to the final four. I mean, they might be favored in every game and they're a four seed. So I really like the way that they're playing. They have an easy one, relatively speaking, and an easy two, relatively speaking, um, in their side of the bracket. So I actually have Arizona and Gonzaga on the left side of the bracket with Arizona getting to the final, Michigan State is the champion. Wow, that is a great bracket. Mirrors, I'm giving you about 60 seconds to top that. Uh, man, it's stuck you stole it. I was going to go contrary and take Michigan State to win it as well. So uh, I'll quickly run through. I think Vanilla uh, Villanova comes out of the East. Um, like we mentioned, they're just a really, really solid team. Don't have many weaknesses. Um, I like Michigan state to, to beat Duke. Uh, I have a really interesting stat for Duke. I'll, I'll spit out, um, against Carolina and ACC championship. Uh, UNC shot 42 jumpers and only four of them were contested. Uh, UNC didn't shoot well on them, um, hitting only 12 of 35, but, uh, still one Duke, this zone just, it's just not set up for, for uh, March Madness. So uh, I think they go down to Michigan State, who is um, the best defense as far as defending shots, uh, which is why I, I think that they have a chance to win the title as well. Um, I have Gonzaga out of the West. Um, and then in the South, I'll, I'll go against Sucky. I think Virginia does beat Arizona. The thing with Arizona I am worried about is just some of their young guys, particularly DeAndre Ayton. His first March Madness, he is a, a dominant player, but um, you know, I hate talking about like basketball IQ, but you know, he can be turnover prone and against Virginia, who is probably like one of the 
most well-coached teams. It just like they're just very solid at every position. Every player can defend. Um, and no player turns the ball over. Um, Aiton going against them, uh, even though he has the athletic advantage, I'm just afraid that they'll turn him over a little bit too much. So um, I would have Virginia and Michigan State in the championship, and uh, we'll, we'll go with Michigan State. Why not? Wow. All right, so my final four is uh, Gonzaga, uh, Nova, Cincy, and Michigan State. Wow, I so have, basically uh, the three of ours, come, we have three of the same, so it's all going to, for us to win it, it's all going to come down. The difference between us is going to be in the South. Yeah, it's going to be in the title game is what it's going to be um, because I actually have Cincy winning it all. Wow. I love it. It's Jacksonville Jaguars all over again. This is what it is. It's, it's, it's Jaguars all over again. Blake Bortles, Blake Bortles. Uh, that's kind of, you know, that's where my heart is. I'm a, I, listen, I'm a defensive specialist. Back in the yeah. day, I was slapping the floor and like, you could not get past me. I was very scrappy. But, but, but here's the thing though, but you, you could say Virginia too. So what you but so like, they're just as dominant defensively. What's telling you Cincy over Virginia? It's not Virginia, which everyone else is picking. Oh, okay. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, I do think Virginia is probably the best defense we've ever seen. Um, so it's hard to go against them for sure, uh, even though we just all did. So that'll be fun. It's true. We all just did. All right, listen, guys, you are doing phenomenal work. You are amongst the crew that is carrying the Action Network this week in our first March Madness. Uh, the overseated, the underseated, the easiest path, the best stats, the bracket analysis, the betting analysis. Brian Mears at Brian underscore Mears, Stucky at Stucky2. Thanks for coming on the podcast, fellas. Keep up the great work. Thanks, Merry sir. Christmas.